invite you to turn your Bibles, please, to John chapter 20. It should be coming up on the screen here, John chapter 20. Uh, by the way, that song, if you like that, it's based on John's account of Easter Sunday morning. We're just going to read part of it, John chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse 19. Please stand with me out of honor to God and His Word as I read. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. Tonight, uh, this morning, I want to talk about Easter changes everything. Easter changes everything. Now, speaking of change... There was an elderly man with severe hearing loss, and he goes to the doctor to get fitted for new hearing aids. Well, after a month, the man goes back to the doctor for a checkup. And the doctor asks him how things are going now that he can hear everything. His doctor also asks if his family members have said anything. The man replied, I haven't told anyone yet. I just sit around and listen to their conversations. I've changed my will three times already. <laughs> Easter changes everything. First of all, we see the first thing that changed on Easter, Jesus was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected. Now, this event that we read about here, this occurred Easter evening, uh, verses 20, 19 and 20 that I just read. That was Easter evening, but Jesus had been risen since early that morning, very early Easter morning. Now, that doesn't seem maybe like a big deal because others had been resurrected. Like you can read in the Old Testament, there were resurrections by the prophets Elijah and Elisha. And even the New Testament, other people were resurrected uh, by Jesus himself during his ministry. Even upon his death, a lot of people are not familiar with this passage out of Matthew 27. Look what it says. This is talking about the moment Jesus died. It said, and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Also in the New Testament by the apostles Peter and Paul, they both had been involved in resurrections. And so what's the big deal about Easter that Jesus was resurrected? Well, Jesus was resurrected permanently. He wasn't the first one to ever be resurrected, but he was the first one to be resurrected permanently. Others who had been resurrected, they died again. Jesus was now alive forevermore. John puts it this way in Revelation 1.18, Jesus speaking, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, amen. All people will be resurrected one day. All people, not just believers. All people. Look what John writes in John 5, beginning in verse 28. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good to the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation, all people will be resurrected one day. Believers will be resurrected to life, unbelievers to judgment. But we will be resurrected because He was resurrected. He is risen! He is risen and so Easter changes everything. The first thing it changed, Jesus was resurrected. Secondly, Jesus was glorified. Now the disciples were locked in a room... When this happens, what we're reading here in verses 19 and 20, they were locked in a room and Jesus just appeared. He was no longer bound by earthly physics. You might say that matter no longer mattered to him. Matter didn't matter to him anymore. He could appear, he could disappear, he could pass through doors, he could pass through walls. 
He was in his glorified body. That was a big change that came with Easter. Jesus had a glorified body that was capable of doing all these things and more. And here's what it has to do with us. We will all be given glorified bodies one day. All of us will be, as believers in Christ, we will have glorified bodies like His. Paul writes about that in Philippians 3.21. He says, He shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able to subdue all things, even unto Himself. We will have glorified bodies that have no sin, glorified bodies that experience no sickness, glorified bodies that have no pain, glorified bodies that will never die, All because of Easter. What are these new bodies going to be like? What are these glorified bodies going to be like? Well, we can only speculate what our glorified bodies are going to be like by studying Jesus' resurrected glorified body. So let's see some of the things that we understand about Jesus because uh, he had this resurrected glorified bodies and we're going to have bodies like his. Uh, Let's see. First of all, I want you to notice here from John chapter 20 that these new bodies will be recognizable. Sometimes people wonder, well, when I get to heaven, am I going to recognize my parents, my grandparents, my kids, whatever? Are we going to recognize each other? Well, this body was recognizable. Look here in verses 27 and 28. Jesus appears to all of his disciples, one of whom was Thomas. It says, Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger, behold my hands, reach here your hand, thrust it in my side, do not be faithless but believing. And notice, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Thomas knew exactly who this was. He recognized Jesus in his resurrected, glorified bodies. Not only are they recognizable, these new bodies are physical. If you want to turn with me, Luke 24 and verse 39. Luke 24 and verse 39. After Jesus has risen from the dead, it says there, Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. So these resurrected glorified bodies are not only recognizable, they are physical. They are obviously verbal because Jesus in these couple passages I've shown you there, he's speaking, so these new bodies will be able to speak. Fourthly, they're changeable. If you go with me to Mark chapter 16 and verse 12, these new bodies are changeable. In Mark 16 and verse 12, It says there, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. So he was able to change his appearance. And so these new bodies will be changeable. Fifthly, these new bodies will be unrestrainable. Unrestrainable. Back to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 and verse 31. We see that these new bodies are changeable. If I can ever find it. Verse 31 says this. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. And then he vanished out of their sight. And so this is talking about the two that are on the road to Emmaus. And when Jesus was talking to them, they didn't know who he was. Uh, Because uh, the fact of the matter is he then revealed himself to them. And then he just disappeared, unrestrainable. And look down in verse 36. And as they spoke... Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. And so they're in this room and the doors are closed and he just shows up. But here's the best news, particularly for us as Baptists. These new bodies are feedable. They're feedable. You'll be able to eat in your new body. Luke 24, beginning in verse 41. 
It says, And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Do you have here any food? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and honeycomb, and he took it and ate it before them. And so what are these glorified, resurrected bodies going to be like? I don't know totally. But we see in the case of Jesus, they were recognizable. His was physical, verbal, changeable, unrestrainable, and feedable. And if our bodies are going to be like his, then our bodies are going to be able to do these very same things. The bottom line is we're going to be perfect in every way. We're going to be perfect in every way. Physically able to do all things. Mentally able to know all things. Spiritually able to discern all things. And morally unable to sin. In these new bodies, we won't be able to sin anymore. But our perfection is all because of His resurrection. He is risen! risen So Easter changes everything. Jesus was resurrected. Jesus was glorified. Thirdly, Jesus was welcomed. The disciples had been sad and hiding. Now they were glad. You look back at the text. It says they were glad, verse 20, they were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus was alive and well and standing right there in front of them. Imagine their delight and confusion. Their delight. He's back. There he is right there in front of us. But then their confusion. How could this be? They had seen Jesus crucified. They knew what happened in crucifixion. Crucifixion offered only one outcome, certain death. Nobody survived crucifixion, and they saw him crucified. They were there. No one survived crucifixion, not even Jesus. Jesus did not survive crucifixion. He defeated it. He defeated it. Oh, he died on that cross just like anybody else that had been put on a cross. He did not. He did not survive crucifixion. He died. The big deal is he defeated it. Nobody else ever did that and would ever do it again. But the disciples were glad, but they were also confused. They had seen him crucified. They had personally buried him. How can this be? Oh, this is great. How can this be? Well, Jesus knew that their shock might cause them to doubt later on. They were so shocked on Easter evening when he just pops into the room. And then when he popped out, they might say, wait, were we imagining that? Did you say, did you say that? I think I saw Jesus. I don't know. He knew that that might cause them to doubt later on. So guess what? He remained among them for 40 more days. Luke in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 3 says this, To whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus didn't have just one Easter Sunday night appearance, and then that's it. He hung around for forty days and had multiple appearances and opportunities of worship. And Luke says here that he offered them over that 40 days many unquestionable proofs that it was he and that he was alive. Now Luke does not say what those proofs were. But they would have certainly included touching him. They would have included showing him his hands and feet. They would have included eating with them. They would have included other disciples listening to him. So whatever these infallible proofs were... They certainly included these things. 
And by the way, Jesus didn't just appear to his 11 disciples, but to over 500 men all at once. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. It says, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part unto this day uh, remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. Some have died. So that must have been amazing, huh? Easter Sunday night, you don't know what to do, and then Jesus just pops in the room, and there he is, but then he pops out. But then over the next 40 days, he's popping in, popping out. Amazing. But my friends, I want to tell you that better than having Jesus before us, we have Jesus within us. That would have been great to be there for Easter and the next 40 days. That would have been great. To be able to physically see Jesus right there in front of you, that would have been amazing. But better than that, better than having Jesus before us is having Jesus within us. And Jesus can live within us. You know why? He is risen. Ooh, you're getting weak. Apparently the excitement's wearing off, Gary. I don't know. Got to pump them up. Got to pump them up. Yes, Jesus can live within us, and he does. But I want you to ask yourself, because I don't know the answer to this, do you have Jesus living in your heart? He's alive, and he's risen from the dead and all that, but is he living in your heart? He can be, by grace through faith in him. Believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. That he was buried for your sins. And the third day he rose again from the dead. Truly receive that. Truly believe that. And you will have Jesus living in your heart. The preacher can't put him there. The church can't put him there. The offering plates can't put him there. Only he can put himself there by grace through faith in Christ. Easter changes everything. Jesus was resurrected. That was something changed. Jesus was glorified. That was something changed. Jesus was welcomed. That was something changed. Look at this. Jesus was doubted. Jesus was doubted. Thomas was not among the disciples that Easter Sunday night. In fact, you probably know the story. He proclaimed that he would not believe until he saw Jesus with his own eyes and touched Jesus with his own hands. But we still may have our own doubts about aspects of our faith. But there can be no doubt about the foundation of our faith. He is risen. risen Do you realize that Christianity stands and falls on the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Our whole faith, it stands or falls on this fact, what we celebrate this Easter, that Jesus is risen from the dead. If it could be conclusively proven that Jesus did not rise from the dead, first of all, we'd have no hope. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that means he didn't defeat death, Satan, and hell. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're still in our sins. Our sin debt is yet unpaid. We still owe God an eternity in hell. If Jesus isn't risen from the dead, we have no hope because we can't go to heaven when we die. There is no eternal life. If Jesus isn't risen from the dead, our dead loved ones are gone forever. If Jesus isn't risen from the dead, There's no blessed hope. Paul writes in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back again. That's our blessed hope. But guess what? If he's still dead in the tomb, there's no blessed hope. Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? 
And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified to God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then Christ isn't raised. If Christ isn't raised, your faith is vain. You're still in your sins. And they also which have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If it could be conclusively proven that Jesus did not rise from the dead, we'd have no hope. Secondly, we'd have no message. We'd have no message. Because Jesus either lied or was tragically mistaken about his resurrection. Because he said over and over, I will rise again. But if he didn't, we have no message. Because we're following either a liar or somebody who made a huge mistake. And all we're doing is just propagating Jesus' lie or propagating Jesus' mistake. So if he's not risen from the dead, there's no hope. There's no message. We have no purpose. We have no purpose as believers. We are wasting our efforts in preaching and witnessing. You might say, Brother Gary, you waste your efforts in preaching every Sunday. But I'm just saying, we as a church are wasting our efforts in preaching and witnessing because our faith is unsubstantiated. Because we are going out and telling people, Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. If it's not true, we have no purpose. But here's the worst part. If it could be conclusively proven that Jesus is not risen from the dead, not only do we have no hope, no message, no purpose, we have no Savior. We have no Savior. He is no Savior whose salvation does not extend beyond the grave. Who needs a Savior in this life and this life only? Oh, it might be nice if somebody helps you, they save you out of a situation, but that doesn't help you in eternity. A Savior for this life. Is no Savior at all. In fact, this passage in front of you through verse 18, verse 19 says this. If Christ be not risen, we are among all men most miserable. Why? We have no hope. We have no message. We have no purpose. We have no Savior. Now, this same Thomas met the resurrected Jesus eight days later. The same one that said, I'm not going to believe until I see him with my own eyes and touch him with my own hands. Eight days later, Jesus pops in again and Thomas is there. His doubt vanished. And he gives one of the Bible's most definitive statements about who Jesus is. Again, look back at verse 28. I know I read it earlier. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. The first thing I want you to notice is he calls him my, my Lord and my God. In other words, it's personal. He doesn't say you are the Lord, the God. He doesn't say you are a Lord, a God. He says you're my Lord and my God. Very personal. Because that's the kind of Savior Jesus is. He's a personal Savior. Secondly, he calls him Lord. Now the word Lord can mean master, but the Greek word kurios can also mean God. But in case there is any question, notice what he says. He says, my Lord and my God, using a different word there. And so so so-called doubting Thomas actually provides us one of the Bible's most definitive statements about who Jesus really is. He's He's the personal Lord 
God Almighty. Thomas experienced firsthand. You know what he experienced? He is risen. He is risen All right. So Easter changes everything. Jesus was resurrected. Jesus was glorified. Jesus was welcomed. Jesus was doubted. And lastly, Jesus was vindicated. The resurrection validated everything else Jesus had said and done. The resurrection affirmed that God the Father accepted Jesus' personal sacrifice on our behalf. Because Jesus is risen from the dead, our sin debt is paid, our glorified bodies are guaranteed, our eternal life is secure. Throughout history, Satan tried to prevent the Messiah from coming by disrupting the genealogical promise line from Abraham. So way back in Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to the entire world. And that was a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And ever since that prophecy, Satan tried to stop the genealogical promised line from Abraham of coming. But guess what? Satan's powerful, but he's not all powerful. So when Satan failed to prevent Messiah from coming, he tried to destroy him once he got here. You probably know the story. From Matthew chapter 2, that shortly after Jesus was born, Satan used King Herod to try to kill Jesus. And then during his ministry, there were several uh, attacks on Jesus' life. And then finally at the cross, where actually it seemed like Satan had finally caught up with Jesus. And he killed him. Satan was convinced that Good Friday was good riddance. Satan never saw Easter coming. He never saw Easter coming. He thought it was over. A good Friday was really good for Satan. He thought, finally, I've been working on this ever since this kid was born. And now finally I got him. He's dead. And he really was dead because nobody survives crucifixion, not even Jesus. Satan never saw Easter coming. Jesus rose from the dead, defeating not only death and hell, but Satan too. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is God the Father's seal of approval. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is Jesus. See, I told you so. He is risen. risen Easter changes everything. What I want you to think about, has Easter changed you? As I mentioned out at the Healing Garden, I mean, you can know all the facts about Easter. You can know all the facts about the Bible. And you could list for me the apostles in alphabetical order and and all of that, and all the city names in Israel. Those are a bunch of facts, and they're important. But if you can recite to me all the facts of Easter, and it hasn't changed you, it's useless. It's worthless. Because God doesn't save based on facts. He saved based on faith. So take those facts and believe them. They're true. Jesus did die. Jesus did rise again from the dead. Those are facts, but if they just remain facts, they are of no help whatsoever in eternity. Easter changes everything. Let Easter change you, not only for time, but for all eternity. Receive Christ as your Savior. As Marion was praying, wouldn't it be awesome to be saved on Easter Sunday? Easter Sunday. 
That's like the highest, holiest day of Christendom. Any day is a good day to be saved. Why not Easter? Because Easter is what it's all about. He is risen. risen Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are alive forevermore. And now it's time for us who have just heard again the Easter story to do something with it, to believe it, and if we already believe it, to share it with others. Move in this invitation, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.